Hi, everyone. You're listening to Backstory. Let's hear it on WTBRFM Pittsville with Roberta McCulloch-Dews of the Mayor's Office in the city of Pittsville. Thanks for tuning in. Today we have with us Brett Westbrook, Executive Director of Berkshire County Head Start, and Abby Lemansky, the first female firefighter to join the ranks of the Pittsville Fire Department. Right now, we're going to kick things off with Brett. Welcome, Brett. Hi, thank you for having me. Thank you so much for being here. You are a busy woman, so I am just honored um, and so grateful that you made time to be on this show. So thank you so much. You're welcome. So I always like to set the stage a little bit when it comes to these conversations to give our listeners a little idea of who they're listening to. So you've been a part of the Pittsville community for some time, but I think hometown was a different place, or was it Springfield? Springfield, yeah. That's right. And so you're a graduate of Taconic. I am. You played sports. You're an alum of Youth Alive. And for those who may not know, Youth Alive um, is a local organization founded by Shirley Edgerton, which incorporates music, dance, step in um, with young people's activities. So it really allows for a dynamic experience. And you obtained your bachelor's degree from MCLA in 2015. You went on to earn your master's degree in social work from Westfield State in 2020. And I'm also pleased to say that you're one of the members of Mayor Tyre's Advisory Council for the American Rescue Plan. So when I say you're a busy woman, (laughs) you are a busy, busy woman. And your work history really reflects someone who is on a pathway for success. And we're going to get into that in a minute. Right now, I want to talk a little bit about your role as executive director of Berkshire County Head Start, which you've been at the helm since 2018. So I have to tell you, Brett. When I first heard the news that you had been appointed to this role, I was so genuinely happy for you. Um, You represent and symbolize fresh, homegrown talent taking the helm of an organization, um, which is really critical and significant, especially when we're talking about early education. What how did you feel when that appointment came to be? It was honestly like surreal. Um, I was working as a family support worker. Um, and, you know, sometimes you're in positions and you can feel yourself kind of growing out of them. Um, and someone, one of my prior supervisors who no longer was with the program said to me, hey, like this, there's this opening. I think you'd be great. Like I've watched you grow. Um, and I was like, oh, no, no. Like, you know, I'm, you know, I'm just a family support worker. Like I never did anything like that. But something told me to just go ahead and apply. He said, you know what, be who you are, write your cover letter, talk about your values, do all of these things and apply. Um, and lo and behold, I got the call back. Um, and it was it was honestly a just unreal, um, a dream come true. So, so you, you know, you've heard of like imposter syndrome, right? Yes. And when people basically other people will see the potential in in you and you'll say no no it's not for me so that's almost like something you're experiencing exactly it was exactly that so how did you uh, (laughs) it's so interesting because it's like you almost have to walk yourself off from the ledge to Mm -hmm. say i can do this so Mm -hmm. was it a lot of like just saying listen i'm just gonna go for it it was and you know i had a conversation with my fiance and he has always been like you know just do it like you got it do it um, and having that support, the support of my sister, my mom, just everybody. Um, and mm. ultimately, who I thought about was my daughter. Mm. And I said, you know, would I want her to stop herself from taking the risk and taking the jump? 
Um, and the answer was no. So I said, so why would I do that to myself? Right. <laughs> I need to do that right. um, and model that. Um, and I did. And it, and it really paid off. So wow. very exciting. What was the reaction? Because, again, you have grown up in the community. People know you. Um, you have your colleagues, your peers, but also young people who, I mean, at one point, you know, I mean, we're going to talk about your history, but you worked at Gladys Allen. I mean, you've seen the little ones grow up. And to know that when they see someone like you, it's almost like, well, Brett did it, so mm -hmm. I can do it, too. Like, you are a role model mm -hmm. for people in this community. So that's why I was thrilled. I was overjoyed to know that um, you had taken on this position. And I did some digging, and I remember the Eagle article. And you were quoted as saying, I want people to know first that I'm a mom, a daughter, a friend, and a human trying to do this work and help others. Three mm -hmm. years later, can you speak to how that combination continues to serve you? Absolutely. And so I think a lot of the time in these leadership roles, people begin to see you as what you do instead of who you are. And if you don't know who you are and you don't operate from that place of, you know, I'm a human, I'm a person, I'm a mother, I'm a daughter, I'm a friend, um, it can suck you in. Um, and I did not want that. And mm -hmm. I, you know, I have a very person first perspective anyway. Um, and I think that bleeds into my work and how I view the people that I'm trying to mentor um, and supervise and the little ones um, who are seeing me do this work. Um, and I just think it's really important to be rooted in something. And right. for me, that's it. Well, I mean, I think that's a good combination. And you're right, we're, we're not what we do. And I, I think that sometimes it's very easy to have it conflated, right? We mm -hmm. become that. But I think, like you said, always having a center, having a clear understanding of who we are. I say that to say because, you know, you guys, you can't see Brett, but she's very polished and very beautiful. Oh, thank you. <laughs> and so sometimes when people see people who are polished and have it all together, they sometimes think, oh, you've always had that. So could you, do you have an experience or is there a story that you can recount that um, maybe was challenging that helped shape you into the woman you are today? There are plenty, Roberta. <laughs> there are plenty. Um, and, you know, and I'm never shy to talk about where I came from. Um, so when I came here, I came here and I was in a shelter with my mom mm. um, from Springfield and we didn't know anybody. Um, and she got a lot of services that helped us. So mm -hmm. what you see before you wasn't always it. Right. And it wasn't always the path. There was a lot of choices that got me here and a lot of support that got me here. Mm -hmm. um, and I haven't been shy about talking about that because I think it's important um, and even to the people that you serve to say, you know, I still make mistakes. I still have trouble paying the bills. I right. still, you know, I still have all of these things. Um, and I'm doing this work because it makes me feel full in other ways. And I want to support people um, from that empathetic place mm -hmm. because I've been there. Right. Well, I mean, I think that's pretty powerful. I mean, not only can you say, well, you should do this, but you can also say, I know where you've been. Right. And there's something that's pretty significant and powerful when someone can say, I know exactly what you're going through. I've been there, too. Mm -hmm. It creates this bond right. and it builds trust. Mm -hmm. It makes people trust, trust you. Absolutely. Um, what other characteristics would you say you have added to your leadership portfolio as you are doing this work? Well, I've had a lot of mentorship 
Um, I have gotten to see exactly the kind of leader I want to be and exactly the kind of leader I don't want to be. Um, One of the things that I really value as a leader is inclusive leadership. Um, I'm a strong believer that that no big decision can be made only by me. I need Mm -hmm. other perspectives. I need to brainstorm. I need people to tell me I'm wrong or to convince me of something else. I've actually, I'm very welcoming okay. um, to feedback. I was not always, it's, again, it's hard. <laughs> I'm a human, yeah. right? Like it's hard for someone to be like, well, I, I don't see it that way. Um, but the payoff of considering others' perspectives and what other people bring to the table has been so tremendous that it is absolutely a huge value of mine as a leader right now. Do you recall an instance, and I know some, you know, especially with this work, you can't maybe share specifics, but just overall 30,000 level of a time where you were able to really get that thought leadership and then really embark on um, on a decision that maybe had you know, great consequence or significance. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, I mean, when I first joined Berkshire County Head Start, um, I was introduced to the senior team who is full of a lot of really strong thinkers, been doing this work a long time. Um, and here I am, and I've never worked in a Head Start. Head Start is an animal of its own mm-hmm. in the world of childcare. Um, and so I actually got a lot of mentorship from them and them teaching me um, the ways and the systems and all of these different things. So right now we're currently in a strategic planning process and setting some new goals for the program. And there's a lot of different content areas of Head Start. So it's not just education. There's nutrition and well-being. There's the overall health and safety. We have the childcare component. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of bringing all of those things in together and considering you know, the people who are really leading that effort day right. to day. Um, and having their perspective and making decisions and how to shape the program in the future is just crucial. Well, I think that, one, when you talk about the mentorship, right, and you talk about how they brought you in, Mm -hmm. that is so powerful because sometimes you hear in organizations, maybe it's the opposite. Mm -hmm. You don't have that support, and it's very crucial because you, as as the leader at the helm, you're not going to know everything, right? right? So you're going to re- rely on the people around you to, one, shore, shore up what right. you need to know. And the fact that you have such a wonderful team, that's great. Yeah. That's yeah, amazing. Absolutely. That is amazing. And I think it also speaks to how we empower other women um, because, you know, right now there are stories in the news. I'm not going to get into this particular person, <laughs> but, you know, how this person didn't necessarily lift up other women because, you know, they were afraid. Right. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And it's like it's it's a lesson in how we can move past our fear and our fear of losing territory and look behind us or look up beside us and help the person. Right. Absolutely. And say my growth or your growth doesn't have to be at odds. Right. So that's an amazing, amazing thing. You know, going back a little bit, because obviously you have a lot of expertise and it was rooted and grounded in your previous work. I know you worked at Berkshire Children and Families, now known as 18 Degrees, and you also worked at the Gladys Allen Brigham Center. One, growing up, did you always know you wanted to work in childcare? You know, it's interesting when you ask that question because I don't know if it's what I knew, but I knew the support I was getting mm-hmm. from being a part of these kind of programs. Mm. And so, like I mentioned, my mom and I came here. Um, we didn't have anything. And, you know, she 
enrolled me at the Brigham Center, which was the Girls Incorporated, and she worked there as one of her first jobs. And just seeing kind of what that did for her, what it did for me, the connections that I made there. Um, At some point, there was kind of a light bulb. Um, And when I started working there, I was still in high school. Um, And I started as a one-on-one aide um, with one in particular child. And then watching that child grow and develop is kind of what sparked, like, this is what I want to do. This feels great. (laughs) Well, it's like a full circle moment. I mean, you actually went through the center and then you worked there. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Wow. (laughs) Brett, I mean, I'm thinking about just also the, the young people that you have seen, too, I mean, one, your your story is so powerful because, again, you went through it, you work there, but you've also seen people develop, young people develop. So you've actually been able to be a witness to right. their own growth, their own transformation, and they, too, are watching you as well. So, I mean, I don't think a lot of us are able to say we have such a full circle moment. Mm-hmm. We normally, you know, will leave the place that we went through and then just... I don't know, we'll work somewhere different. Right. But right. yours is such a unique and powerful experience. You know, I I think about when we go through those jobs, we always take something from it. What would you say you've taken from um, your previous roles that help to serve and inform you to this day? Mm-hmm. I think it's the stories, mm-hmm. honestly. I have worked with people going through things I could never imagine. Mm. And seeing the resilience piece of that and like where they have grown, Mm -hmm. it it just was really amazing. I think those are the things that really stick with me. Yeah. Um, Along with, you know, the skills that you learn when you kind of do this work, but the building the connections, building the trust, um, meeting people where they're at, including them um, in their care. Um, So some of those bigger concepts and and the things that we know work um, when supporting people, I think I just grabbed little pieces of that. Um, throughout my whole career. Wow. That's that's amazing. <clears throat> Excuse me. I, you know, it's allergy season. <laughs> <clears throat> but, um, you know, one of the things that I know is part and parcel of your journey is um, education. Education has been important to you. And one, you graduated from MCLA Summa Cum Laude. Um, but I also know the journey wasn't a straight path for you. I know that you initially left the area to pursue education opportunities out of state. And then you came back to the Berkshires. So mm-hmm. did you know right away that you were going to pursue your chosen field? I did not. Okay. So um, when I went away, again, I was in that mindset a lot of young people are. Mm -hmm. Like, I'm leaving this small city, I'm going to the South, and I'm going to, you know, learn and find myself, which I did all of those things. Um, And I actually studied business when I got down there. Um, And it just was not filling my cup like I needed it to be. I was interested. There was a lot of really good things, but Mm -hmm. it wasn't making me feel like I can't wait to graduate and go and, like, do this thing. Um, And so when I got back, I really started to think about what is it that I want to do? And it was people kept Mm. coming up. I want to help people. Um, And so that's why I ended up getting my MSW. um, Amazing. Yes, thank you. (laughs) And it kind of led me, you know, to where I'm at, where I kind of get the best of both worlds. I get to run a business and I get to help people. Right. So it just came together again, to use your term, full circle (laughs) for me. I was going to I was going to ask you that because knowing your background, how do you think of yourself? Do you consider yourself um, an educator, you know, uh, you know, an educator, an executive? Like, what's your mm-hmm. title in your head? 
well, Roberta, I think I think it's both of those yeah. things. It's funny because when I when I think about myself, I just think I'm just a person out yeah. here like trying to help people. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like that that's the place that I operate from. Right. Um, but I certainly am a professional and executive. Um, I identify as a social worker, mm-hmm. and you know that education piece is a huge piece of the social work, right? right? And and helping to develop young children um, at the most important years of their life. Well, one of the things that, I mean, I know you went on to study your, get your master's and you had like a brief break after your um, bachelor's. Did you always know that getting your master's was in the plan? No. (laughs) What made you do it? You know, I have always loved school. It wasn't not a part of the plan, um, but... You know, I was working with one of my friends mm-hmm. and um, she was like, you know, like there's this master's program and we just kind of started talking about it. Yeah. And she's like, we should do it together. <laughs> and I had just started this new job. So I was kind of like, oh, I'm not ready yet. My daughter was still really small. Um, but, you know, I just again, it was one of those moments where I right. was like, OK, take the risk mm-hmm. or don't take the risk. Like what? Where's it going to be? Yeah. Um, and by personality, I am a little bit of a risk taker now. I pushed yeah. myself into that category. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I did it. And you weren't always, though. I was not always. Oh. No, I was very reserved, very safe. Oh. Um, and I think that part of me grew with my career. Right. Um, and with myself, just as a of person. Course. You know, of course. Um, as you get older, you feel better right. about taking those kind of chances. That's true. And you, you know yourself and you trust yourself. Right. And you're you feel empowered to, you know, <clears throat> think about that next step versus if you didn't have that same experience and same outlook that time and age and wisdom, you know, brings right. to you, you're you're more likely to say, Well, you know, maybe not. Mm-hmm. But you get to a point where you're like, Why not? Right. Right. And so I, I hear you. Well, I also know that you're also being recognized by people in the community. I mean, obviously, your professional work has and your 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 expertise has garnered you, you know, um, what you're doing today with your appointment. But you were also honored in 2018 as a 40 under 40 recipient. Um, something I was a part of too. And we also have <laughs> Catherine here. Catherine was a 40 under 40 recipient. So we're all in the 40 under 40 <laughs> club in here. And um, what did this award mean to you? Yeah, it actually was a very pivotal moment for Mm -hmm. me I have always been someone who liked to move in silence right like I don't like a lot of recognition I just do what I do because I want to do it yeah Um, and so you know it really forced me to be reflective on the impact that I was able to have over the years Mm -hmm. and really just be like you know what like you did good Like, you go, girl. Like, you did that. That's right. Um, but I've always kind of been really reserved, really humble, mm-hmm. very, you know, quiet about what I was doing. So it, it, it kind of forced me to yeah. kind of just be reflective and, and congratulate myself. You know, that's such an interesting thing because it's so hard for us sometimes because we see ourselves as just like you said, human beings just doing the work, doing what we need to do. And, you know, I don't I mean, I certainly don't walk around like thinking, okay, I'm doing this because I'm going to get that. Yeah. You do it because it's the right thing to do. So when you are in that space where you are honored, you sometimes have to say it's okay. Yeah. It's okay to accept the award. It's mm-hmm. okay to be recognized. It's okay to be honored. Right. Um, and I think sometimes as women, too, we sometimes like to just do the work and say we're just going to do it. And that honor and, you know, recognition can sometimes feel uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. And it's learning how to accept it and walk right. in it and own it. Um, so that's always a work in progress. But I also know, Brett, that, you know, in addition to your career, 
you're a mom. You just mentioned that. Mm-hmm. How do you like juggle all of it and balance? I wish I had like a great answer. Okay. What are your <laughs> secrets? <laughs> but it, again, it's something that I'm still learning. Mm-hmm. Um, I think for me, just being really intentional about which hat I'm wearing when. Okay. Um, again, with things like working from home, it's been a lot harder, mm-hmm. right? Because your office becomes like your dining room table. Yep. Um, but I've been really kind of just paying attention to those moments. Like if I'm checking an email and my daughter needs something or wants me to watch her do a flip and turn, you know. <laughs> it's like okay what's more important in this moment Brett do you need to read this email right now or do you need to give your attention to your daughter Um, and just kind of keeping myself in check Mm -hmm. that way has Mm -hmm. been really helpful how is it for her seeing mom working and doing like I mean you're exemplifying everything that she probably like reads about and says okay this is the person I want to be like what a powerful example to actually have the opportunity to see her mom working and doing this has she said anything to you like oh mom I think you're doing a good job or something yeah I mean there's been times where she'll come and she'll like bring me a water (laughs) or she'll draw a big happy face and put it next to my computer and just say if you feel stressed at your meeting look at that and I'm like okay great (laughs) Um, but you know she also you know if you ask her like Mm -hmm. what you want to do she'll say I want to help people okay and it's because she knows that's what I do um, and I think, and she also will say, like, I want to be in charge. Okay. She wants to be in control of everything. I've but. seen the term <laughs> float around girl boss. Yes. Okay. Yep, that's her. Okay. <laughs> She's not as humble as her mother. <laughs> well, you know what? I think it's important that she actually sets her sights and walks in, in, in her truth and what she wants to do. And that boldness, I feel like the next generation, they have a boldness about mm-hmm. them. They know what they want and they're going for it. So, you know, girl boss it is. Yes, absolutely. Uh, so I also know, Brett, that you <clears throat> are intentional about things like um, boundaries and self-care mm-hmm. and um, your and inner peace. These are things that are important to you. And and I know we just talked about, about like the juggle and balancing, but did you get to a point in your life where you kind of realized these are things that I really have to be strategic about? Mm-hmm. Was there something, an aha moment that you got to it and you're like, you know what, I, I can't do this anymore? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. And I think it came when I took this new position mm-hmm. and I had a lot of new responsibility. Mm-hmm. Um, and it really helped me kind of come into myself. And I've always kind of been really aware, like, well, I don't want to say no and, like, you know, hurt someone's feelings right. or, you know, not help them out. But the more I was saying yes to everything, mm. the less I was saying yes to myself mm-hmm. and what I needed. Yes. Um, and just saying, you know, everyone's not going to like you every day. That's right. That person's probably going to like you again tomorrow. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but you have to say no sometime. And sometimes you don't have to explain your no. Right. It's just... No, no, like I, I don't want to do that. <laughs> I remember reading. I think was it O Magazine where they're like, "No is a sentence. It's a complete sentence. It's like absolutely no, absolutely." And it's like getting used to just saying no. Yeah. And and if someone's just like, "Well, what?" No. <laughs> and and you know sometimes it's like again, it's one of those things where we have to get used to saying these things, but we want to. We there's a part of us that wants to please people. Right. And so saying no sometimes can feel counterintuitive to all of that. But cheers to you for learning to say no. And I think I'm getting there as well. You know, I think again, you know, I am no longer with the 40 under 40 set. (laughs) I have graduated. And so I am no longer in that group. But I'll always have my I'll always be a part of the first cohort. (laughs) 
<laughs> but um, you know, as as I get older, I I'm learning what matters, yeah. and 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 that's a part of it. Boundaries are so important. Um, I know that we're we're gonna wrap, you know, run out of time soon, but I do have some more questions for you. I wanna I wanna ask you who do you admire because you've seen so many inspiring things and you must have a ton of people in your life so who do you look to for inspiration yeah I think a lot of what comes back to me is the people that we're serving Mm -hmm. and just seeing the resilience of these kids and the families Mm -hmm. really like energizes me and really makes me feel like you know, you're in the right place, you're doing the right thing, and whatever's going on, like, there's a way out of it. Right. Um, And there's support, and there's, like, all of these things. I think those stories is what really inspires me to keep going. Okay. Yeah. What would you say to the young girl who is watching and unsure, not really feeling that she can do it, Mm -hmm. what would you say to that young girl about who she can be when she grows up? I would say to her, be who you want on purpose. You know, do things that you want to do on purpose. Be intentional about the decisions that you're making. And if you feel like it's the right choice for you, do it. Right. Do it. And, you know, you're not always going to land on your feet, but you get up and you do it again or you do it differently. But I don't like be that. afraid to, to do it. Okay. And... um Lastly, if you had to choose one word to describe yourself, what would it be? I think that word resilient. <laughs> it <laughs> you, comes, that's it a keeps, popular word. It for is. And you, and, you know, I think just as I am reflective, just thinking yeah. about this interview in general, I'm yeah. like, I've really been through it. <laughs> you know, as we all have, we all have like our story. Right. And I absolutely did not have to end up where I am. Hmm. I absolutely could have ended up in a lot of worse situations. Right. Um, but I didn't. And and I'm really proud of that. Well, I mean, I think that the fact that you have this amazing story um, I feel like it is one that will serve you well, continue to serve you well. And I think sometimes that when we go through things, um, they serve as our own personal compass, right? right? And no matter what's happening all around us, we know what we've been through, We and that helps to inform where we're going. So, you know, I, I always tell folks the hardships and the challenges, while no one says yes, I want to go through it today. Right. Bring on the hardships. <laughs> bring on the struggle because I just want to be weighted down. Right. Nobody says that. But we know that on the other side of the struggle, on the other side of the hardship is something that far exceeds what we could even imagine. And so you are proof positive of that. And so, Brett, I just want to thank you so much for being um, just a, a, an excellent leader. In Thank our you. community um, and being a role model for young girls and 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 young guys, too, because they can see like, wow, this is a form of leadership and this is how a leader looks. Right. Mm-hmm. right. I want to thank you for that. And I wish you all the best, much success in your career and much balance, inner peace and self-care. 
Thank you, Brett. Thank you for having me. All right. All right, everyone. Um, thank you for joining us today. Thank you, Brett, again for joining us. We're going to take a short break and we'll be right back with our next guest, Abby Lemansky, the city of Pittsfield's first female firefighter. Thanks, everyone. Whoa, like what exactly is happening here? 8917 WTBR FM Pittsfield. High School Sports is back and PCTV Sports has you covered. Pittsfield Community Television is proud to bring you live coverage of soccer, cross country, volleyball, and PCTV Sports is proud to bring you the new Berkshire County High School football game of the week this season. You can find games on PCTV ETV channel 1302, PCTV Select, and the Pittsfield Community Television Facebook page. Go to pittsfieldtv.org sports to see our upcoming games. Support for PCTV Sports comes from Lee Bank, Berkshire Community College, Interprint Inc. in Pittsfield, and County Ambulance. You have chosen wisely. W-D-B-R. Thinking about starting a successful business or expanding an existing one? We've helped over 1,500 businesswomen and men do just that. We're the Massachusetts Small Business Development Center Network, located in Pittsfield, and we cover all of Berkshire County. Contact us at 499-0933 or visit us on the web at msbdc.org slash Berkshire. Best of all, our services are free and confidential. What is One Berkshire? We're the voice of the business community, promoting the region and supporting local business. How do we do it? Through marketing, networking, sponsorships, and advocacy. Whether it's promotion to travelers and second homeowners or opportunities to network with your neighbors and raise your profile, we've got you covered. So join today. Visit oneberkshire.com. That's the number one, berkshire.com. The preceding public service announcement courtesy of WTBR and Lee Bank. Hi, it's Jen Glockner. I'm the Director of the Office of Cultural Development for the wonderful City of Pittsfield, and I also host the Cultural Pittsfield Radio Show on WTBR. It airs every Friday at 8.30 in the morning. Stay tuned to learn all about the arts and culture scene for the City of Pittsfield and beyond. We hope you listen in every Friday at 8.30 on 89.7 FM WTBR. We are the music makers, and we are the dreamers of dreams. Hi everyone, you're listening to Backstory. Let's hear it on 89.7 WTBRFM with Roberta McCulloch Dews of the Mayor's Office in the City of Pittsfield. Thanks for tuning in. Another round of thanks to Brett Westbrook, Executive Director of Berkshire County Head Start. Right now we have with us Abby Lemansky. Abby, thank you so much for being here today. It's my pleasure, Roberta. Thank you so much. All right, you are a firefighter with the Pittsville uh, Fire Department, and you have the distinction of being the first woman to join the ranks of the department. It's a huge honor for sure, and we'll get into it. But first, let's get a few stats out the way. Both of your parents were raised in Pittsville, but you moved to Lenox um, due to your dad's job at the time. How old were you? Um, my parents relocated to Lenox prior to them starting a family. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just my brother and I. He's four years older. Okay. Um, so uh, both their parents remained in 
their original houses mm-hmm. in Pittsfield uh, on Foot Ave and Abbott Street. Um, and so I spent a lot of time up there when I was young. So you have like deep Pittsville roots. I would say so. Okay. Um, I mean, as deep as we can go. Do you consider yourself both <laughs> Pittsville and Lennox or, you know? I definitely spend a good amount of time up here just with my grandparents. Of and course. If, if you're from Berkshire County, I think you're a little bit from everywhere. Mm-hmm. Yeah, believe me, I, I, I see that that is true. I am not from here, and I realize that everyone is like connected. Everyone's connected. So um, I think that's the beauty of being in such a tight-knit community. So you purchased a home in around two, 2013, and right now, you know, you're embracing everything that comes with life in, quote-unquote, the, um, the, the the county's largest city, right? We are the largest city. Um, and I think as a firefighter, you see a lot. I I can only imagine. So I want to talk right now about your work with PFD and the impact of your role, because I I know that's pretty significant. Your first day on the job was October 17th, 2017. And that forever marks you as the first woman to join PFD. Why did you decide to become a firefighter? Uh, I had spent seven years prior um, volunteering for the town of Lenox. And I just really enjoyed the work and the experiences that I had had um, with that department and that community. Um, And I was talking with a friend who was a full-time firefighter down there and sort of expressing how life, you know, professional responsibilities, other things, family, kind of were getting in the way of me wanting to do more. And uh, he just sort of blankly said, why don't you take the test? You live in Pittsfield. And I was really unfamiliar with the civil service process at that point. So I'm like, take the test. What do you mean? So Mm -hmm. I I looked into it and um, started that process. Um, It's every two years at that point. I believe now they're moving it to every year um, Mm -hmm. post COVID. Um, So it's a. that, that's pretty much where my journey began. So were you the only woman, when even when you were doing the volunteer work, were, were, were there other women? There were other women, yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. All right. So, um, that, so at least that was an environment where you weren't the only one. No, no. And, uh, I mean, it, coming from a professional setting, mm-hmm. you know, I'm 39 years old, so I've right. had a lot of time in different careers. Um, right. But, you know, they've always been co-ed. Right. So for me, I don't think it's as much of an adjustment as Mm -hmm. if you're maybe coming from an all specific gender um, profession. Um, But honestly, our department now is so young and Mm -hmm. that they've there's a lot of life experience. So I think everyone is sort of it's the norm. Right. That's true. But Abby, I you know, I, I think when you're the first, there's some there's an honor that comes with that. And and I know pretty much your personality, you you know, you're one about the work. Um, and I totally respect that. But I want to know what were when you uh, joined the ranks of the fire department, what were people saying around you um, about this moment in time and what it meant for women um, advancing in industries like this? Um, I, I definitely got 100 percent support. Mm-hmm. Um both from people I didn't know as well as those sort of in my inner circle, um, as well as on the department. Mm-hmm. I mean, everybody was was pretty excited. Um, but I think a lot of that, for me, mm-hmm. being the career that it is, was more focused on, you know, are you able to complete the tasks in order to be successful? Because right. there's a lot dependent on your ability to perform. Well, um, yeah. So I understand 
what it is for mm-hmm. the world outside of firefighting. And I encourage anybody, you know, find what you're passionate about right. and do that. Right. Um, you'll be successful no matter what. Mm-hmm. Um, but also being successful in any career, I think, is is also genderless. Right. It's, it's what you can bring to the table, and we all have different skills. Absolutely. I think that that's so important, and it's so important to hear that, yes, definitely the work is available, and it can be done by anyone. What does a typical day look like for you? Uh, we get in around 6.30. Mm-hmm. Um, each crew relieves each other and, and gives sort of a, a brief description of what happened the shift before. Um, we take about an hour to go through the fire engines, uh, make sure everything's set up um, for the day. Then we, you know, we all live at the station for 24 hours. You do? Yes. Okay. Right. So our schedule is 24 hours on, mm-hmm. 24 off, mm-hmm. 24 back on. Okay. Um, so, you know, once you're you're in the station, it's, it's your home for 24 hours. So we have our, our daily chores we need to do. Okay. Um, What's yours? We all take turns, <laughs> you know? Nobody gets stuck on bathroom duty. What's your favorite chore? <laughs> cleaning the fridge all right (laughs) um but uh generally you know once we're done with the Mm -hmm. the morning chores um we we cook breakfast together okay and then uh generally there's a training from about 9 30 to 11 30 in the morning Mm -hmm. um right now we have brand new handheld thermal imagers um for each firefighter Mm -hmm. which is new um which will only impact our ability to to be safer in in an environment and so we're, we're working on that right now as far as uh, becoming proficient. So there's a camaraderie building that really happens among just the when you're in the station from the the chores that you're doing to the the meals that you're preparing together. You're you're building almost a family. Yeah, I would say we we're all pretty close. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot of laughter, definitely. <laughs> um, everyone's the best cook, no matter what they right. say, and everyone's the toughest critic. But we all cook together, um, okay, and that's a really great time, right? Right. Well, I, I want to, you know, just thinking about um, just all the, the work from that perspective and the day, I look back to the fire academy and, and the training that you received there. And looking back from that time to now, what are some of the on-the-job um, experiences, observations that you have put into your arsenal, right, that has made you better, right? Because there's one thing to actually go through training at the academy and then to actually be on the job and say, wow, like, I'm doing it right now. What are some of those observations that have empowered you to this point? I think there's definitely um, a level where you are – more comfortable in your skills. Mm-hmm. Um, that's not to say that you're not learning something at all times because every call is very different, every right. day is very different. Um, but I think kind of coming into your own with the confidence to perform and that your coworkers are counting on you and, mm-hmm. and trust those abilities, mm-hmm. um, I think that that's a nice growing experience. Um, but in that, you know, I've completed my fourth year and mm-hmm. I'm still learning every call every day and, mm. um, and I hope everybody else is too. Um, from some of the calls that you've been on, what are some of the, in, I mean, you've seen a lot. Um, what do you do with that? I mean, when you go through some of those calls that maybe they may take a toll on you, how do you create that line of separation between not in taking that and um, internalizing it and bringing it home and thinking about it and you know how how do you create that that line? Um, I would say that excuse me we have a a pretty good ability within 
um, your own shift or group mm-hmm. to uh, to decompress. Yeah. You know, we, we use a lot of light comic relief and, mm-hmm. and try to check in on each other for the right. most part. And you never know what call is going to stick with you. Mm-hmm. You know, it, you could think of the worst thing you could think of and you don't think about it again. But right. then you have an experience where it, it seems pretty you. benign, yeah. but there's a personal connection. Right. Um, I think a key is really to be as self-aware as possible, mm-hmm. um, especially when you're you're leaving that sort of uh, the camaraderie of, of your group that you've experienced right. it with. Because right. when you get home, you know your family members don't know. Right. As you know, you know working a nine to five, or you can kind of check out. Right. You have other annoyances, mm-hmm. um, but it's it's often you know days later you're sort of you need to do a self check in, be self aware, right. and say. Oh, why am I feeling this way? You know, right. and, and I think that's the the fairest and healthiest way for you to behave as well as to your family. You well, know? you know, right now there's a lot of conversation around mental health and just how in all industries how we need to preserve our mental health and especially when we're in industries that are taxing, it's so important that we do the work just like you're saying to talk about it to be aware of how we're feeling so that we don't um allow that to overwhelm us so i think it's really that's really critical and it's a good thing that you're doing that is that something that the department emphasized in terms of just promoting good mental health practices for the um firefighters um i think everyone it's always a conversation Mm -hmm. um you know it's not something that's stuffed in a corner right um this day and age mental health is is huge yeah um but how everyone internalizes that is very different and how everyone asks for help is is very different so and i would just encourage anyone um just to sort of be self-aware of how you're feeling and maybe listening to the feedback of other people around you and right um you know get help in any way shape or form that may look Good guidance, Abby. Thank you. Um, prior to joining PFD, you worked in various industries that seem to be connected by the outdoors. So can you speak to your roles um, prior to joining the department and why outdoors is such a passion for you? Sure. Um, so I worked at uh, my first real uh, full-time job was at Canyon Ranch. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was an outdoor sports guide. Mm-hmm. Uh, I worked there through college in the summers as well as uh, about five or six years following that time full time <clears throat> um and i just i really developed a passion for you know teaching people sort of how to be comfortable mm-hmm. in the outdoors mm-hmm. you get a lot of city slickers and <laughs> squirrels get them jumping but, um, uh self-admitted city slicker here yep. <laughs> but i like hiking now yep. so uh so kind of seeing people you know, sort of shed that mm-hmm. that fear and, and become very comfortable in the outdoors. Yeah. I found very rewarding. Um, nice. I always enjoyed working with people. Mm-hmm. Um, following that experience, uh, I moved on to Hillcrest Educational, where I ran their um, outdoor sort of therapies program. Mm-hmm. Uh, and being with kids that have had traumatic experiences and, and having them be comfortable in the outdoors mm-hmm. was, I got a lot out of that. Yeah. You mentioned the therapeutic nature of the outdoors. Can you speak to um, how you have found the outdoors to be healing? Sure. Um, I love being, as I've gotten older, I, I really love being outdoors in the winter. Mm-hmm. Um, just the, the calmness of it and uh, everything. You can sort of really tune into the sounds. Mm-hmm. Um, but for me, it's just, it's it's really a time to self-reflect, look at what's bigger. Right. Um, you know, I'm a small part of it. And uh, 
love spending time with my dog in the woods. Well, listen, I got to tell you, I went on a hike this past week and we went to Olivia's Overlook. Mm -hmm. And there's something to be said for when you go into the woods, you are encapsulated into this different environment. You know the outside world is there, but you feel like you're by yourself. Mm -hmm. And I think to your point about the healing and therapeutic nature of the outdoors, it's common. You're able to clear your mind. And when you step, when you leave that trail and you go back into the parking lot, it's almost like you've been empowered in this special way. Did you find that for the kids that you worked with, that the outdoors was able to have sort of this impact on them over time? I did. I, mm -hmm. uh, I, got a lot out of bringing them out onto the water mm -hmm. and they really enjoyed it I mean, we had some kids that behaviorally yeah. other staff members looked at me and said you're going to take him canoeing and once he got on the water it was almost like he could realize it was bigger than yeah. anything yeah uh, and his actions had repercussions and those could be very cold and wet and scary <laughs> so right but it, i found that those kids really got a lot out of mm. um you know spending time in the woods and and uh seeing what they could do physically. Are you able to, I know your job is obviously very demanding, but are you able to find ways today to maybe um, work in the community with kids? Is that something that, a, a passion of yours that you want to continue in some way? Uh, probably down the road. Okay. For sure. Um, at this point, I have a lot of other responsibilities. Of course. There's not enough time in the day, but. <laughs> of course. <laughs> um, I totally understand. You're busy saving lives, so I get it. <laughs> No, but uh, yeah, down the road, for yes. sure. Well, I, you know, I switch in gears a little bit, Abby. Sports is a huge passion of yours, in addition to the outdoors, obviously, and you have very impressive accolades. Okay, so you were inducted into the New England Basketball Hall of Fame in 2015 and the Berkshire County Women's Basketball Hall of Fame in 2014. And in 2008, you were inducted into the Berkshire County uh, Soccer Hall of Fame. So tell me a little bit about your background in sports, because obviously you're very accomplished. And I know you're kind of like, you know, shy and reserved, but this is the time to talk about this. These are great achievements. So tell me a little bit about that. I grew up playing team yeah. sports um, okay. and uh, always got a lot out of it. I was pretty blessed to have some natural abilities, but mm -hmm. uh, that really helped, I, I would say, my work ethic. Um, what did you get out of it, out of sports, to assist your work ethic? I, I would say the give and the take. Mm -hmm. um, for me, I always enjoyed... Uh, playing with sort of seeing how my abilities could help other people um, mm -hmm. form their own abilities, I guess. Mm -hmm. it's, uh, it's, uh, for lack of a better term. Um, I always enjoyed the competition of it. I, right. I found that not necessarily to win, but to uh, to engage in a really mm -hmm. great exchange was, was more beneficial than, than anything else. Okay. So, I mean, and you got that. So it's like double wins because you were able to you know, obviously, um, you know, hone those great values that obviously serve you well, but then you also are accomplished too. So it's something that you do have like this legacy that you have, you know, left and established. Um, considering your background, did you ever consider uh, like playing professional sports? <laughs> no? <laughs> uh, no, no. Why was, not? <laughs> I don't know if I was that good. <laughs> oh, Abby, I think you're, you're very yeah. humble. <laughs> Um, but I mean, you know, obviously, you know, it's something that could have, you know, I mean, no, <laughs> no, I was, I was pretty, uh, 
fortunate to to play soccer through college. Okay. Um, and at that point, I'm also very realistic about the mm-hmm. uh, limitations of my body. And as you mm. get older, you know, court sports understand have their wear and tear. That's so. right. Well, do you still play like for like fun for fun or like a recreational league or? Every now and then, uh, you know, a group of us will get together, and uh-huh. it's usually a good three weeks in that we feel we're on top of the world, uh-huh. and then you know the ankles start rolling and. <laughs> We realize that we have jobs and families, and we probably shouldn't be taking elbows to the face. <laughs> I, I, I totally, I totally understand that. Definitely, I think as you get older, I think you know you evolve in so many different ways, right? And the things that you used to do before, um, they take a different space in your life. One of the things that um, you know, as we're talking um, about just this work and the work ethic, in terms of people that you have looked up to. Um, in your life because I think that our professional path and our personal path is often guided by people who are in and around us. So who would those individuals be? I would say I look up to my my parents almost. They are uh, wonderful people Mm -hmm. and uh, have always sort of led by example. Mm -hmm. And that's, I think if you're able to lead by example and somebody notices, that's a, a pretty great compliment. Ah, so that actually, Abby, is a good circle back to being the first female firefighter. <laughs> and I know, well, well, one, you're not the only one anymore, Abby. There is another person, another female who has joined the ranks. And so I wanted to just ask you about um, just one, obviously, the department now is continuing to shift and move in a direction, obviously, that is becoming more inclusive, right? Do you guys experience any kind of camaraderie being like the first, like two female firefighters? Do you not think about it? And that's a fair question. Like, if you don't think about it, you might not because you got you might say, you know what? It's all about the work. But how do you guys handle that? Um, Katie's great. Mm-hmm. She's uh, been on for, I believe, two years now. Okay. Um, and uh, we've become good friends. Um, definitely, we have uh, our conversations that mm-hmm. are you know, gender specific, right. if you will. But right. uh, for the most part, I would say that, that we don't really attach, you know, right. the two women right. on it. Um, it's more of just sort of being there for each other yeah. in, a, in a friendship sort of way. And I have a lot of the same similar relationships with, you know, my male coworkers. Right. Um, and it's it's great that, that she took the test. And I hope that the next list that comes out, there's even more females. Um it's more of a, a civil service uh, situation than anything else. Speaking of the test, if someone is interested, any person is interested in um, learning more um, about a career in firefighting and they're, they want to um, study for this test, are there things that they should do? Like right now, if someone says, I'm interested and I, you know, I, I want to be prepared, are there tips or anything that you can tell them in terms of working out, in terms of building up their capacity and their resilience? Yeah, as far as physically goes, I mean, you, you definitely want to have um, some level of, you know, being in pretty good cardiovascular shape. Mm-hmm. Um, endurance is, is huge, mm-hmm. um, as well as just functional strength. Um, being physically fit in this job and maintaining that is is crucial for your right. safety and everybody else's. Right. Um, as far as the actual uh, written test goes, um, to be uh, considered a resident, you need to live in the city for a year prior to the date mm-hmm. of the test. Um, and basically it's 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 nothing you can really study for it's mm. more of a 
they're trying to it's more of a uh, personality test than anything else. really there's some firefighting like logistical questions as far <laughs> as putting they'll give you a, a paragraph that's all out of order yeah. and you sort of put it into order based on hmm. from the moment of the call just sort of so you to see what you would do yeah okay um but then the rest of it it's you know rate one through five have you ever sped have you ever gotten in trouble right so they're, they're trying to sort of see whether or not right and honestly you're a matters. good person right in, in the end yeah i think is is the thing so there's how you do on that test i i don't truly believe um is is going back to a gender specific yeah. thing or um it, it's the civil service program or if people aren't familiar with it, it it's basically the state's human resources um ability to take out any sort of favoritism within the hiring process yeah so how you score there's very little room to move mm-hmm. between the numbers mm-hmm. um so you, you really can't skip over somebody unless you have a pretty legitimate right. reason right no i think talking about that aspect is important because i think that there's a lot of people who may want to break into careers like this and don't really know how to get started so if you had to almost give a primer abby and you just talked about just even like not being necessarily being able to study for the test but what's the first thing that they should do? Should they look up? Should they go to a specific website or maybe just even check out PFD's website and um, and learn more? Is that? Yeah, mass.gov. Um, okay. Just the old Google search engine. Yep. Um, you can just type in um, firefighting civil service mm-hmm. test. It should direct you to an appropriate page. And what I did was just go through and sort of Google um, civil service tests mm-hmm. and whether it was massachusetts specific or not right a lot of times on on the internet you can get an example of you know what a a test would be like no matter the state but it Mm -hmm. gives you an idea of sort of what they're looking for i just thought of this you know you had your um some prior experience serving as a volunteer firefighter would you recommend that maybe if someone wants to almost get a lay of the land and understand maybe some of the um you know mechanics of what this is about is that something that maybe they could try out to see if that this is maybe their um their their passion yeah coming becoming familiar with um you know the equipment and everything else Mm -hmm. it it definitely was an advantage Mm -hmm. um i would say that you know once you you start drill school, you know nothing. Okay, you know? <laughs> okay. and drill school is fire academy? or What, what is drill school? So I was um, the last class hired in Pittsfield okay. that did not go to the Mass Fire Academy. Okay. So we had our six-week in-house drill school. Oh, it sounds intense. <laughs> I think the fire academy is, uh, holds its own. That's, that's 10 weeks, and they go back and forth from Springfield okay. five days a week. And okay. that's Both have their... Both are intense. Both are intense, okay. yes. Okay, all right. So um, tell me a little bit more about drill. Drill school, um, so at that time it was uh, training captain Neil Myers, who's now deputy chief, um, mm-hmm. and he, he ran a really great drill school. So it was um, about six weeks, and we covered everything you could possibly think of that mm-hmm. had to do with wow. um, you know, vehicle extrication to live fires to medical stuff. Um, you wow. Know, did... did I felt pretty well prepared coming onto the floor mm-hmm. um, with training and skills. It was gaining the confidence of mm-hmm. being able to apply that right. those skills learned. Yeah, and like you said, the confidence is something that builds over time. I'm I'm sure, right? right. So even though you have like the mechanics and yeah. the knowledge of what to do, there's nothing like 
actually being on the scene, right? And actually having to execute. And when you do it well, it builds up that confidence to say, okay, I did it once before, I can do it again. Yeah, I mean, muscle memory is a lot mm-hmm. different than complacency, right. you know? So right. you sort of can tap into what you've learned. And, and I would say the, the biggest thing for anyone is when, you, when you're on a scene of any sort, mm-hmm. the best thing you can do is, is stay as calm as you possibly can because mm-hmm. it's chaos around you and, and usually you don't resolve chaos with more chaos. Do you have um, a personal ritual that you do before you, when you're in that rig and you're on your way to the scene, are, are there things that you do or you say to yourself to, to gear yourself up um, because you don't know what you're going to find? Um, I wouldn't say there's there's things you, you think about that are the regular. You, sort of you try to go through the basics mm-hmm. of we all talk to one another. Um, you know, if you're driving, you sort of, you know, I'm going to go this way or which way do you want me to go? Yeah. Cap? Um, and you just sort of you try to slow down and make it as normal as possible. Right. At least that's that's my perspective on it. Right. Um, you know, if you're in the back of the engine, it's, you know, what do you want me to grab? Right. Just try to try to make it as normal as you possibly can because it needs to be uh, a controlled professional response. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, I mean, we have, of course, the highest regard for our Pittsville firefighters. Um, You guys are out saving lives and um, we so appreciate your service. So thank you, Abby. I want to know what you do in your spare time. When you are not out on the rig, what do you do to have fun? I lead a, a very exciting, boring life. Okay, please do tell. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm, I'm pretty much a you know, friend, family-oriented person. Okay. I spend a lot of time at my house just okay. puttering away at projects, getting over my head. And Are you like do-it-yourself? Like you like to build things and paint and all that? Yeah, I, okay. I would say I've, uh, I'm not afraid to try something. And, okay, um, like you break down the drywall? Yeah, I, I okay. was a, a big part of renovating my house. <laughs> More so taking it apart than putting it back together. Got but, it. Um, yeah, no, I, I just enjoy being into my own space. And mm-hmm. um, like I said, I spend a lot of time with my dog. And okay, um, you know, just try to keep things as simple as possible. But I'm I'm not afraid to have a good time. Okay, all right. Well, um, I, I I can see that you have lots of things that keep your interest. So that's a great thing, Abby. Um, one of the things that I always ask the guests um, before we wrap up, I always say, if you had to choose one word to describe you, what would that one word be? And you can explain the word that you've chosen. So feel free to, you know, to, to share with us. <laughs> I always have a hard one with this. You know? Why? I don't know, because there's so many different words out there in, in times. But I would say if, if I were to narrow it down, probably all the ones I would think of kind of encompass grateful. Mm. So Why? Um, I would say because the things that I, I would describe myself as, I, in the end, I'm grateful for. Mm-hmm. You know, loyal, hardworking, um, dedicated. So in the end, I mean having those attributes as well as kind of what they're able to give out to the community um, and the people in my lives, I would say I'm I'm grateful for the give and take. Well, Abby, I'm grateful that you were able to be here with us today. (laughs) I so appreciate it. And I just want to thank you for taking the time. Everyone, you've been listening to Backstory. Let's hear it on WTBRFM Pittsfield with Roberta McCulloch-Dews of the mayor's office. Thanks for listening and have a great day. 